welcome back. We are here with episode five of Fear Itself, or if you have the DVD, episode one. It's Stuart Gordon's Eater. Wow, episode one, huh? Yeah, I think what they actually did on the DVDs, I think they arranged them in a way that, um, like, they would have wanted it to show, maybe? Like, it starts with Eater, which I think is a, would have been a better season premiere, um, I already for I have it written down somewhere because I have to manually watch every disc to figure out which is on which because there's no list of what's on what disc. Mm-hmm, uh, the discs mm-hmm. themselves aren't labeled, so I have to just keep track of like, okay, Community is on disc two side A, so next week I have to go back to disc week disc side A. It's very confusing. Um, yeah. Well, but, the the if I remember correctly, the marketing for this led heavily, and with, it with still this seems episode. to. Yeah. Like when you pull this series up on the Roku channel or like do any kind of Google imaging search, uh, it's always Elizabeth Moss's face from Eater. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that she, it made sense because she was a good face for the time because Mad Men was pretty young and getting a lot of buzz. Um, This is so far, I will spoil it to say one of the better episodes. So right away there's that like, oh, if we're going to get somebody to watch it, let's make sure they watch this episode. Um, Yeah. Uh, I watched the quote unquote director's cut on the DVD. Oh, interesting. You watched the Roku channel, I assume? Um, I I watched You watched it uh, somehow? Yeah, it, it, it will be the TV version, okay. whatever aired on television. Um, and I have seen this episode multiple times, so um, I think that I'll have, pretty, she says now, pretty decent recall of what may or may not be different between the two, but you never know. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I'm going to say right to start, I would probably recommend the TV version over the director's cut. Hmm, now, I didn't watch both, enti- I didn't watch the TV cut in its entirety but I was really curious because I'm like you know this like I'm trying to figure out because it's the same length it's like just about 45 minutes like it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like there was an added scene or anything and I wondered I'm like you know there's one scene that seems really graphic for airing on NBC in 2008 (laughs) pre Hannibal Mm -hmm. um and so I turned on the Roku channel I turned on this episode just fast forwarding to that point to see if it was cut differently and yes it was and be, and and i and wa- in watching it i'm like you know what the tv cut is probably better like it is more because the director's cut is trying to be graphic without being graphic and so it mm-hmm. ends up being very suggestive and you see stuff that like you just don't need to see um and whether it was filmed in a way where Stuart gordon knew it would be cut or just you know, it's one of those, the power of suggestion being much more powerful than seeing, almost seeing somebody cut somebody's tongue off. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the and the scene in question is the flashback to when the killer is, uh, has a woman tied up. And I think on the TV cut, it's just, you see a flash of him heating butter on a skillet and her tied up behind him and that's it. And in the director's cut, it's him heating up butter walking over to her, holding pliers to her tongue, camera cuts away, and then he throws the tongue on the skillet and makes her eat it. Did you see a skillet, tongue on skillet? Uh, did, did I see the tongue on the skillet? Zach says yes. Oh. I know that I didn't feel like it was suggestive. It felt very oh, clear. Interesting. Huh. And then he ate the tongue. Yes. And made yeah, her I eat it, too. That. 
Oh, I didn't see her eat it. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's got to eat it, too. Which okay. um, I definitely didn't see. Okay, so that's some other minor differences. And I really, I think... That seems unnecessary. It, it is. It really the whole, is. The whole thing is, like, eating people... I get it. It's a tongue and not a heart. But eating people, like, you get their power. So, like, why would you have her eat her own tongue? That's true. That seems... That doesn't seem like it's consistent with the messaging of the episode. And Maybe also- that's why they cut it out. <laughs> Somebody was like, logically, this does not make sense. (laughs) Um, Logically, why would she eat her own tongue? Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to spoil. So let us dive into the story of Eater. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) By by us, I mean you. I know. So yeah, let's do that. Um, So it's single location, takes place Mm -hmm. in a police station. In Um, Rochester, New York. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't know so, if they huh? say it. I think that's where it was filmed, but it's suggested that it's upstate New York, I think. Yeah, and it's very, um, what's the thing, uh, like, run down and, mm-hmm. like... Antiquated. Not, not great. It has a uh, big assault on Precinct 13 energy. Yep. Like, it's very, very much that kind of place. There's some cops running around, and they get in this, like, serial killer. The serial killer just got caught. He eats people. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Moss is, like, a rookie cop, or, like... You know she's low, low on the low on the stepping order, and like people are like, "You suck and you're dumb," and I don't. And you're like abroad. You. Yeah, and also she likes spooky stuff, which is like a weird character choice. And I was like, "I like you," except for the fact that you're a cop. We should talk about that. But <laughs> it's um, it, it is amazing how many things um, a like right now when you watch them, you're like, "Oh, this is weird. This is really weird to watch right now." <laughs> yeah, like I. I, I don't know. I like the Elizabeth Moss character, who is the rookie cop, if I didn't say that. is I like her. I think she's great. Yeah. But, like, obviously. Um, well, the and to its credit, it does kind of say, suggest that cops are assholes. That it, most we, cops are assholes, except for her. And kind really, of her captain at times. It's really on on point with that, for sure. Yeah. There's, like, a, fun, there's a funny comment in it that I was like, oh, that's... That's very self-aware. But, um, in, you know, they, there's a serial killer and he gets dropped off and he, at this, like, precinct in this holding cell and he eats people, they call him an eater. Like, that's a thing. I don't know. Do they refer to, to perps like that regularly? I don't know why they don't say cannibal. But, yeah. But, yeah. But that's fine. And he's an eater and Elizabeth Moss is, like, super interested in him. But, like, pretty quickly, I'm looking, you know, probably about 15 minutes in, you realize <laughs> something's, a, something's up. And, like, this dude, you know, is doing something to the people left in this precinct. And he is Cajun. Yes. And there's, like, weird Cajun mysticism. Not to say that mis- Cajun mysticism is weird, but the way they're portraying it is weird weird i and don't know did, if it... i was okay with them not giving much of an explanation to it like there, there's think... you know because you didn't have enough time so i didn't need like a whole like oh his mother was a witch and blah 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 blah. any explanation i think would have been offensive to honestly, oh very true very any true. any hoodoo voodoo yep uh, spooky ethnic mysticism is always not like x-files does it so much it's eye-rolly yeah. and like oh aren't asian people and it has not aged well yeah. strange like no we're all just people and some of us believe different things but like i think there was like a like a little rattle that i thought was goofy but for the most part like the chanting and like 
what he was trying to accomplish, I thought was effective. Which, by the way, that chanting, you want to know how much this episode is like the sort of representation of the series. The DVD, uh, I don't know if anybody else has the DVDs. They're obnoxious. Aside from the fact that they're not labeled. um, You put the DVD in and your FBI warning comes on, your Lionsgate logo comes on. And then it's like another two minutes of fear, like the fear itself graphic coming up and like Mm -hmm. flashing and then blood dripping and then this and this and this. And you're just waiting because I'm just waiting to see, hey, which DVD is this? Um, But that happens. And throughout it, it's the chanting from this episode is the like soundtrack in the background. Interesting. Yeah. And this is on, like, multiple discs. So at first I thought it was just the one because it was this show. Uh, But no, it's on all the the discs. Well, I will... So, I mean, it is, like, a single location, single night, trapped in this area. Smart areas of of what you're working with. Yeah. Small cast. Yeah, very small cast. Effectively, five people. Like, and it's it's really... It's uh, it's tight, and it's... it, It moves fast. It's very zippy. Uh, flashbacks or mm-hmm. side flashes employed when necessary didn't feel bloated looked really good was lit really well yeah. well um, directed per- it's Stuart Gordon it's well directed yeah the perform it was but it was it looked even better than his Masters of Horror stuff like he yeah. had, seemed seems like he had a really good lighting person um, True. it it looked good and it was it was a good story it I don't know. I it was it, this is a very good episode because you think like Cajun cannibal and it could have been schlocky yeah. or like but it was actually like impactful and by the end you care about her and you care about what she's doing and you you feel bad for her. Oh, yeah. There's so this the cast in this is really good. Everybody's really good in it. This is a the stacked guy- cast. Yeah. I mean, you have Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. You have Pablo Schreiber who uh, was like really just starting out when this like his big thing probably at this time was The Wire season 2. Um and I was laughing when I'm watching him because I'm like aside from The Wire, I feel like I've only ever seen him play this kind of part where he's just a misogynist asshole. <laughs> It's it's honestly my favorite. He is my favorite. He is in Weeds, and that is the first time I ever saw him was in Weeds. Unless I saw this first and just didn't have any mm-hmm. recall because he's not in it that much. But he's just so awful and dislikable, but like likable, and that really that really works for me. He's very good in this. And then the the cop that plays like the the, the, the white eating, cop, the, the, yeah, the white cop, the, or you just want to say it, it's the cop who eats. Yeah, I mean, but like he's 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 so good. That guy's so good. Do you know what you know that guy from? What do I know him from? Tell me. Well, I didn't if look. if you don't know, then that's because you still haven't watched the movie that you promised me you would watch, Christine. Uh, oh, he's in War Games. No, that's not what I'm talking about. More yeah, importantly, the- more importantly than anything is his other collaboration with Stuart Gordon. Do you know what that movie is, Christine? Oh, is it Dolls? It's Dolls. Yeah, it's Stephen Lee from Dolls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was excited to see him. He is past at the age of 58. That's yeah, really sad. Yeah, I remember he died not too long ago, I think. Um, I've seen him. I'm scrolling through his IMDb. I've seen him, and he shows up in a ton of stuff, like TV and stuff. So I've seen him in things, and he looked familiar. He's his very, voice very is very. Because um, he kind of has a, almost a high-pitched voice for, like, a man of his size. So that's how... Because I didn't fi- recognize him from his face. I'm just listening. I'm like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Of course it's 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 the guy from Dolls, because it's a Stuart Gordon movie. It's Ralph. So it, He's very good in it. So the cast is all, like, good. And then uh, there's a there's a point in it 
and spoilers again, where you're basically Elizabeth Moss is in this precinct with these, with this this serial killer who eats people, who's in his cell not moving. Weird things are happening. The two cops that she's with are being weird and are very sweaty and aggressive yeah. and only filmed looking up at them so you know something's wrong and you've like oh no i'm so worried for you and like it's really escalating and then the sergeant shows up and you're like oh and he's like i believe you and if you believe it's true we're gonna go look for it and they're looking and and like you're like okay and then you know it's gonna come but it's it's painful the sergeant is also dead and it's not really him and the eater is impersonating all these people including the sergeant and it's so upsetting like i knew it was coming and i was still like i'm so sorry elizabeth (laughs) well especially um because the so i watched this one with my husband um, mm-hmm. He didn't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I think part of it, again, I wish I had watched the non-director's cut because I think it would have been a little bit... And it's not that my husband can't take gore. I think it's just that the way the gore is in the director's cut is so in your face in a way that feels very 2008. Um, mm-hmm. It feels very... Remember, 2008 was the era of torture porn and the era of they want to see stuff, let's show them everything. And... So when there is this flashback to him, you know, having this woman tied up, it is every step of the way of him cutting her tongue out. Um, and it's again, they don't show the tongue cut out. They show him pulling her tongue out, holding pliers over them, and then cut to him throwing a tongue in a, in a frying pan. Like it just it, it feels a little much in that version. Mm-hmm. And I think for Brandon, too, the cops being at the, the, the opening scene, them just being so over the top assholes to the woman Mm -hmm. which i understand like yeah that can be grating i think and sometimes it's it's more annoying than it's like i get the point you're making you've made it they're assholes and they're dangerous men Mm -hmm. um i think for him it was just too much for me i was like it it, not that it crossed the line like it was more than i needed but i think it also goes so far in establishing she's already under attack right it's that whole idea that like men not and this is not my husband but like men in general don't understand that you know as women we are defensive because we are always under if a man sends us a message our first instinct is always oh what is he trying to do to us that you know when you walk by a man on the street and if he calls says your name or calls you out you always think what is what is what does he want from me it's the way we've been trained because it's the way the society is um so i think you know, it could have been done more subtly, but it's fine. It hammers in this point that she was already alone and in danger. And you're just, you know, the difference between the guys in the very first scene to all of them when they're really sweaty talking to her, it's different, but it's not that different, which I think was also, as I'm talking it through, a really clever choice. Yeah, I mean, it's they only have 40 some odd minutes. And this is a, yeah. this is a based based on a short story that was adapted by our friends from the Washingtonians episode yes! of uh, Masters which, of Horror, which is very exciting. So once again, it, it's it, um Richard Chismar and Jonathan Sheck. We should really learn how to say his name next time. Honestly, like I'm always mean to. Um I feel so bad when I don't know people's last names. Same. But it it's an I think for escalation purposes if we're to believe that she the thing is she never thinks 
what's going on? She knows what's going on. Right. And I think that's because she's already on high alert. Mm-hmm. And they they do that thing of establishing. It seems sort of throwaway, but if you think about it, it it's pretty sense. smart. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole oh she's a horror fan and she she. It's like she's already there. She's yeah. already she already lives in a world where this is this is possible. And you know, that's a really good point. Um because at first watching it I was thinking like, oh, they threw in the she's, you know, she's reading a version of Fangoria. <laughs> yeah. And you know, she and they like at one point they show her and she has tattoos that just feels like, okay, yeah, you just made her into kind of the person that the people watching this want to see as the star of a show like this, which I just appreciated. And like, Oh, that's smart. Like that's a good way to do it. But you're absolutely right. The fact that, you know, it's the complaint every one of us has when we watch a horror movie about that, that's about zombie. And I mean, this is somewhat true of the next episode, right? Right. Right? The next episode is a zombie episode and it's, and it takes the characters so long to figure out, Oh, these are zombies. Like, like and again, every zombie movie or many zombie movies take place in a world where zombies on screen aren't a thing. But it's really hard to accept that when you're a horror fan watching something that you're like, no, come on, you know what to do. You shoot him in the head. You lock the door. You do this. And so in this, the fact that they make her a horror fan from the beginning means immediately, you're right. Her instinct would be something is wrong. This is mm-hmm. more than reality. Uh, this. Yeah, this my gun isn't going to solve everything. Yeah. So, this is bigger than what I'm used to. We need to figure this out very smartly. Yeah, and the over-the-top cop acting from specifically uh, the the dude who plays Marty, Ralph. the I'll just call him uh, Ralph. Ralph. Stephen Lee is his actor's name. He's so, but he's so charismatic and he's so likable when he's doing it, both when he's him and when he's possessed by the the titular eater um it's you you do skirt that line with her of like okay well is he yeah. being regular inappropriate or is this like a new inappropriate is That's he making really regular point. uncomfortable or is this a new and it I, I get what you're saying i get like the the fir- the instinct to be like um they're all too much why is she like mm-hmm. horror movies this is all stupid but like i really do think it plays into the way the character acts the rest of the episode it's it's a great point because i think that marty character in particular it's you know she is a woman working in a very very predominantly male industry her coworkers are not just you know guys that she has to go to work and sit at a desk next to but they are people that could potentially save her life or be her backup or not be her backup. So it's one of those, like, you know, not to speak to female police officers, but, um, and my only real, um, it, what you call experience comes from like SVU episodes where this comes up a lot, where you have like the male cops rape the woman, but the female cop helped them cover it up and all of that. And there is this, like you, un- you, you know, from an outsider point of view, I understand it very clearly as she can't sit there calling them out every time they make a, an, an incredibly inappropriate remark because then she can't do her job. She mm-hmm. can't trust them to do their job with her. So, yeah, she has to take it. She takes it to an extent with Marty in particular. It's this character that, like, she's disgusted by. But she also kind of understands, like, well, well, I have to work with him. And because I have to work with him, I end up liking him well enough. Like, I know that he's not such a bad guy. He just, 
you know, is kind of just unrestrained. And, and so I don't know yet, like, where that line is. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. It, they do establish it really well, considering the time. And they and again, it's Stuart Gordon. He understands how to work within any confi- confines he's given. Yeah. I, so I would say overall, this episode is good. But then also, like, depending on who you are and what you're looking for, great. Like, for me, it's great. But it's like, exactly I, what this show should have been, I think. Yes, I, I agree. And so remember that the Elizabeth Moss character is interesting and weird. Remember the last, I think it was the last um, Saw movie. The, I think it was just Jigsaw. Where yes. they had like the female, like Hannah extreme. Emily Anderson, who I was just telling you because you have to watch um, What Doesn't Kill You. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, So it has this, that real extreme female character, and she has, like, tattoos, which actually look screen-ready. They looked good. Mm-hmm. And she and she ends up being, like, twisted. And, like, I always want that character, that, like, left-of-center female character. Yeah. But they never seem to – it seems rare that they're able to do it in a believable way. You either get that goth girl – I'm doing air quotes yep. from uh, NCIS – or you get, like <laughs> – like it's or you get like I'm extreme and I have tattoos and I want to murder you. Yeah. So it was cool to kind of see like a grounded female character who has different interests and maybe isn't well received by everyone, but also seems like smart and competent, and not a maniac and it, not like totally. A it's <laughs> it, it like the more you're saying it, like it's it is exactly because it's us seeing to an extent like ourselves on screen yeah. and I mean I don't look like I wish I looked like Elizabeth Moss I don't like you know I'm not you a cop seen me in a while I do oh I, I do. believe that but like <laughs> it, all of those things that you're right like the whole you know we say this all the time that you know the we look everybody primarily in this country has grown up having to identify with white male characters because mm-hmm. that's you know that's what entertainment primarily is about and who it's centered on so we're used to it um which makes the whole like representation why it's so important because when you see oh my god there's a chubby girl in in this movie and there the movie isn't making her a joke or there is a gay black man in this movie and he's not a joke he's actually the hero like those things really are exciting when you see them and you're right it is a tiny thing because it's not like women aren't often the center of horror stories mm-hmm. it's that they are mostly rarely are they crafted in any way in in they're there to be innocent or hot yeah um and in this like no she's smart she has interests like she could be someone i know and i'm so not used to that in horror pro- certainly not for masters of horror yeah, it, it was it was nice. I think it, it's really well done. Like, even if you're not there, for, like, for on paper, I don't want to show up for your your Cajun cannibal story. Right. I don't because there's nothing. I feel like you have offered me nothing. But somehow it's still about that. But yet, like, that's not the center of it, no. which I really, I really appreciate because yep. I don't know that people that story is kind of tired, like. I like the tangential stories of, okay, Cajun Cannibal, great. And now I want to see a person dealing with that right. instead of, like, it's about this guy. Like, they did a good job of not of, of putting the focus somewhere interesting. Um, yeah, because you're know. right. The Cajun I, Cannibal is the least interesting thing. And he's, he's honestly, he's really not in it. Yeah. And, and I think, like, the, the, like, 
how what what this entity is trying to accomplish like a, it's a it's a siege movie it really is yeah. like it's all on precinct 13 yeah like only trying... you're stuck inside only the killer is inside it's it's really it's it's great i really do like this one i think yeah. there's a lot of stuff to like and it's one of those that you can come back to and be like oh yeah this is good yeah um and, and i appreciate that and it looks good too i really appreciate stuart gordon this yeah, oh is, it this looks is, great and it this has given me good. a new appreciate like i always liked him obviously right but like this has given me a really a new appreciation this is a really good episode yeah. i mean and it's true of all three of his episodes for this series mm-hmm. were really good and like yep. and again we're thoughtful like there there is something interesting going on he's you know in this one i think was the first one that it wasn't his script i think in the, the other two it was yep. him writing with his uh, partner and this one he's taking somebody else's script um but it still feels like a Stuart gordon property um, and yet, and yet there's other things to it that I haven't seen him do. Um, the, you know, that one location that you, like it being, it's snowing outside. I love a good snowing yes, horror I love story. Um, you know what? The score is also really good. Like it sounds yes, good. The music is great. Yep. You know what this does really good. Um, now it's always weird when you watch something that was made for network TV, um, without commercials, because you get those weird edits where you know, oh, this would have been a commercial break. Mm-hmm. What's great about this one is that it's like it's true. You could call out every time there should have been a commercial break. But what's cool about it is that if I had been watching this with commercials, it is masterfully done that way. Every pre-commercial break is a reveal or is a yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's something of like, you know, the door, the um, jail cell being open right? It's just her suddenly realizing that and then you could tell it would cut to a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the sergeant's body cut to a commercial. Like, it, it actually, like, really, even though it doesn't need to be done that way, it, had it been filmed for Masters of Horror, it would have been filmed differently. That would have been timed differently. Yep. You wouldn't have had to cue it the same way. Um, and, you know, you're watching it that way. It's I really appreciate that he made it knowing okay, here's where the first commercial would be. Here's where the next commercial is going to be. I, I really need to time it. And I think you could see how good that was done when you watch it, you know, uh, 12 years later. Yeah. I mean, it's like chapter breaks. He put yeah consideration into like, it's there's, there's one in the next episode, um, the New Year's Day one that's I thought was really bad. So, so yeah, I think that maybe it's if you don't notice it, it means it was done well. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just like, oh yeah, this is just chugging along like it would. Like that's not necessarily easy. That that's deliberate. <laughs> like he, he <laughs> did that on purpose. Yeah. Ah, I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would though to everybody. I would recommend. It's, um, don't do the director's cut. I think it does take something away when. They just throw more gore, and and it's not like just gore. It's like grow. It's, I mean, again, it, I don't know if I ever told you about this. I remember having a very long conversation in college um, that launched me into like this was the question I would ask everybody I met. Uh, that mm-hmm. scene in Hannibal, the movie, when um, Hannibal is uh, has what's his name. Uh, Ray Liotta. Is that, I was going to say, is this a Ray Liotta question? It's the Ray Liotta question. <laughs> when, when Ray Liotta is, you know, Hannibal's prisoner, Hannibal's clearly going to kill him. But first, Hannibal has taken some of his brains out and has cooked them. And there's like, and he goes to offer Ray Liotta his brains, and Ray Liotta, yeah. Ray Liotta eats them. And you sit yeah. there, and I remember asking that question of like, 
would you eat them if somebody offered it to you? I'm like, you know, if I thought I was going to die, I'd be, why not find out how I taste at that moment? Um, so yeah, like I normally appreciate a, uh-oh, I got to eat myself scene. But in this uh-huh. case, it just felt gratuitous in a way that wasn't doing anything for the story. That It just felt like it was trying too hard. So Yeah, I'm well, I'm glad I didn't see that then. Because this never, honestly, it never did feel like try hard or... Mm-hmm. Like, it never felt like someone's granddad was trying to shock you. Right, right. Which I, I, I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And again, I think, and we'll see in the next episode, too, how, what the time we were in when these were coming out. Because I think it's just so, this does be, the gore sequences are what makes this feel like it's 2008. But the rest of it, not, like, could have been told any time, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's well filmed. It's not oh, yeah. filmed gimmicky. And it's it's solid character work, so that to me makes kind of like a timeless entry totally. into something that could have otherwise been very dated. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, do you have any more to say about Eater? I don't think so. I liked it a lot. It, I thought that it was it was gross without turning my stomach. It was it was not overtly mean. I don't know. It was just a solid uh, 45 minutes of television. Yeah. Oh yeah, without question. If you're if you're gonna watch one of the ones we've seen so far. Um, this I think is the best one. Yeah, this is really accessible and like it's just like good. Yeah. All right. So that was Eater, which airs I think as episode three on the Roku channel. So if you're watching it that way, know that you are actually watching episode three. Uh, okay. Uh, we will leave. When we will return, we will talk about Darlin Bowsman's New Year's Day. Woo! Bye. <laughs> Eat it!